All right, welcome back to Modern Lightworkers. It is time to stop hiding and start shining. And we are back again with another amazing guest. Have you guys sensed a theme here? Because OMG, I think I'm getting like all the most amazing people on the internet to come to you on this podcast. And today is no exception. So as the chief technology therapist at Sensible Woo, our guest today is Mary Williams. She teaches highly sensitive and neurodivergent online business owners how to replace technological chaos, hello, with a harmonious technology system. Through digital feng shui and human design, her clients optimize their business foundation from an emotional and intuitive perspective so that they can delegate and automate without wasting time, money, or energy. She is an accredited librarian with a master of science and information and set the foundation of her career as the first digital archivist for Disney Animation Studios. From there, she has worked with marketing agencies, entertainment technology companies, public libraries, fundraising organizations, and technology startups. Yes, she's a total badass, and we are so excited to have her here. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Janet. A Texan sister from another lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're so excited to have you here. So first of all, let's like really break this down. What is digital feng shui? So digital feng shui is really just a mental bridge more than anything. And it was born out of helping people with systems and doing intuitive work myself and hearing over and over again that people were having trouble sort of conceptualizing the intangible bits and bytes that are in their computer. They're like, I get it. And I need to organize my email. I need to organize my files. I need to back things up. They're like, but it's like, I can't see it. It's not like paper. I can't touch it. I I don't get it. (laughs) And then um, one day, and I don't even remember how it happened anymore, but one day I was looking at traditional feng shui and um, you know, there's a thing called a Bagua map, which is an energy map that you put over sort of a structure or a landmass. And um, in the Western tradition, which is already um, bastardizing the traditional <laughs> inception of it, um, it looks more like a grid, like a rectangular grid. And when I looked at that, I thought, you know, these different quadrants, these different sections really apply to the business journey. And the first one that popped out was the fame and fortune fiction. And I was like, that's like social media. That's like marketing. And then the more I looked into it and just went deeper and deeper, I was like, oh my goodness, these are all the different sections. And when I started playing with using that as a system to wrap your brain around, how do I wrap my head around technology? I thought, okay, you know, this gives each of us kind of like having a room in a house. It gives each of us a space to say, you know what, today I'm going to go work in my support section, or today I'm going to go work in my, you know, strategic planning section or something. And, um, and at the core is always you, you know, in the center of the map is always you. So um, it, it turned out to be a really great framework that helps people just sort of build that bridge. However it feels ends up feeling for them, but it helps them build a bridge into, I can do this. I can feel okay with it. I don't have to be perfect at it. And there will be parts of the house that I will go to in any given day or season. It's not every day, just like in your actual home, like you can't be in two rooms at the same time. Like it doesn't happen. And I think the same thing is true in business too. Um, And that way, if there's like an emotional room in your digital house, it's like, okay, maybe we don't go in that room as often, but one day maybe you will. 
And, and, and I found in my corporate career after helping people on sort of a daily basis, which is so not intuitive work that, you know, people get really worked up emotionally about technological things. And, um, I was starting to get invited by people to their like team meetings. And I'm like, I'm not on this team. And they're like, but you're really good at translating between the techie people and the non-techie people. Can you just sit here in the room? And I discovered, oh, I guess I have a skill (laughs) that I don't think everybody has. And, and I found that that skill carried over into my small business owners who, you know, felt really intimidated, you know, needing some kind of help, like having a website done or having to set up something um, systems wise, it's a little more complicated and just feeling intimidated by it. And, you know, my goal is that, you know, it's, it's okay to feel those things and, and we need to move through them and we can do it. Like we can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's funny as you're talking, I mean, I'm such a visual person. Um, so I love the imagery of the grid or the map um, and it, forgive me, I don't know anything about feng shui other than um, I had a calendar uh, that told me on certain days not to do certain things. That's that's the most the Part most I know. <laughs> so, so unfortunately, I don't know much else. I do know um, I did a um, sort of an energy reading of my own home um, a couple of years ago when I was debating on where to move my office. Um, and uh, so that's that is why I'm in the space that I'm in now. Um, so I, I really love how you've taken that framework and built your own framework into your business. So I think that's really magical. Um, and also, you know, I love how you talk about you can't do, you know, the same thing in two different rooms. You know, you're you're not going to sleep while cleaning the kitchen. Um, you know, it's it's really important that we we know how to separate the, those parts of our business, too. Um So what kind of emotional components do you see? Like when people come to you for help, you know, what are, how do they describe things? Cause I know in my experience, a lot of times what they need is not what they say they need. Um, So, so how, what do you see from your end? (laughs) I definitely see that. (laughs) Um, I, what I see is um, people, well, well, all of us, we're all guilty of this where we'll avoid things that are uncomfortable. Sure. And so usually when somebody comes to me and they say, Oh, I have, you know, a technology problem. And then they tell me about Facebook ads and like, that's not a tech problem. That's a marketing problem. Um, and, and what I've discovered is for the average business owner, um, especially people who are still pretty early in the journey, um, even for some people who are further along and they've just sort of been skating and things have been going well, you can get by for a very long time, um, sort of pretending like, you know, what's going on there, but you really don't. (laughs) And, and what I found is, um, you know, we'll go for the thing that feels the easiest or for some reason feels more comfortable. So if you think about it, like the room in the house, it's like, well, I really love spending time in the kitchen. So I'm just going to try to solve all my problems from the kitchen. That's what I'm going to do. And, and meanwhile, you know, dust is collecting in the bathrooms and the pipes are broken and it's not working. Um, so, so what I try to do is to help people get comfortable taking a tour of that house and to continue walking through the space and, you know, and, and know that it is okay to be wildly imperfect. It is okay to have 
you know, a room that needs a total makeover <laughs> and have a room that is like, it belongs, you know, on HGTV, you know, like it's okay to have that all happening in the same house, but we need also need to acknowledge it and be aware of it because if we're in denial about it, I think that's when things show up with the intuitive workers among us. Um, you know, we were talking before we hit record that I work with a lot of people who have outward facing businesses where you wouldn't guess that that person, that astrology means a lot to that person or that human design means a lot to that person or that they care about, um, you know, witchcraft and spells. Like you wouldn't see that on the outside, but behind the scenes, the way that they operate and feel good is with those things. And for these people like us, I find that when you're in denial about what's going on inside your digital feng shui house, it robs you of your intuitive capabilities. You know, you're, you're siphoning off energy. Um, you're not, you're not able to function, you know, on all eight cylinders or whatever the analogy is that you want to use. Um, because you know, that energy is being diverted to, keep you in a safe space or to, you know, keep that door shut. Um, that that's a lot of effort actually energetically to have to keep those doors shut just to make you, you know, not have to deal with the uncomfortable thing. And a lot of times the things aren't that uncomfortable. It's just a matter of making space and time and giving your own self patience to get through something. Um, but you know, none of us want to feel stupid or look stupid (laughs) or, um, I love, there's a Carolyn Mace quote, um, you know, she does anatomy of the spirit and I just, I love her. She's one of my favorite people, spiritual teachers. And she says, you know, the thing that humans are most afraid of isn't death, it's humiliation. And I see that a lot in business owners, like they would rather die than be humiliated in front of a group of people. And, you know, when you're on a real spiritual quest or spiritual journey in life with your business, there's going to be moments where you're going to have to go to that vulnerable space and maybe, you know, change an old belief that you've always had or break an old generational lesson that you've always been brought up with. And you know what, it might look really ugly and you might look like a fool for a minute, but people will appreciate you for going there and evolving. Um, and so, you know, I just, I feel like doing this work holds that space for people. Um, even though on the surface, it's very like day-to-day practical. So, but I, the two things go together. And as a business owner, I was frustrated, not finding a space to have both. So it took me a while, but I finally figured out that you can have both. And now people are discovering they can actually ask for that. Um, instead of having to bounce back and forth between like a super woo-woo group and then like a super businessy group, it's like, no, they can both be in the same place and be authentic. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I really, really relate to that, Mary, because, um, you know, we were talking before we started this podcast interview, um, you know, I, I sort of came out of the spiritual closet, you know, a few years ago and admitted that I was, you know, clear audience and um, that, you know, you're talking about people with witches and spells and readings. And, you know, I'm, I'm into all of it. I love crystals. I love readings. I have tarot cards. I have Oracle cards, like (laughs) I have an altar in my office, you know, there, there are all those things that I, um, that are me, they're me to the core, but maybe they weren't me, 
you know, um, front and center. I didn't necessarily advertise a lot of it because as you said, you know, you might have to dismantle an old belief or something like that. I really had a belief that, you know, if you were this spiritual person that you really couldn't share that with people because they probably think you were crazy. Um, and, and so I did it, you know, for a long time, I, I played very much that, um, that part of, you know, well, my nickname was the savvy girl. That was what my business was built around. And that was the persona that I took on. And, and I was, you know, just super savvy and, oh, anything you need, I've got it. I've got it. And I never was, I've never said things like, well, my energy is not in alignment today or, you know, anything like that, because it, it sounded crazy in my opinion, um, you know, that I couldn't come out and say those things. And it wasn't until, you know, I, and, you know, we laugh about 2020 being kind of a dumpster fire, but also, you know, it was like, it was necessary, you know, it, it, it tore me down from, you know, thinking I had to be all this or all that, um, you know, and, and it, and I realized that I didn't have to have all those labels, you know, I didn't have to be woo woo or savvy or, you know, and, and, and instead of like, I think I always sort of did this black and white thing, the either or, um, you know, and I think like we could all embrace the and, you know, mentality. It's like I'm woo woo and savvy, you know, and be okay with that, you know, and saying things like my clear audience and my intuition actually have served me. And that's how I became the savvy girl, you know, um, and being okay with that. Um, but it, but, I will say it, it took, it took me entirely too long to, um, to embrace that part, um, for sure. So hard though, right? Like I always say we live in a both and world, like everything's both. And, and I was talking with my partner, my girlfriend recently, and we were having this conversation because I, she was, I was explaining to her, you know, I'm, I'm half Asian and I grew up in Michigan. And as a kid growing up, I was never white enough. And then I was never Asian enough. (laughs) And then, and then, and then it transferred into other things. I wasn't techie enough. You know, I didn't, I didn't get a computer science degree. I'm a librarian who does human computer interaction. You know, it's different, but then I'm not librarian enough. You know, Um, I'm, you know, not, not metaphysical enough because I like practical things. I think we, hello, we're humans. We signed up for a human life. Like you have to embrace the human world. But then on the human side, it's like, well, you're, you know, not practical enough. And, and I've just always like been somewhere in between. Um, and, and I just got comfortable with it. Like I just got over it at a really early age because I, out of survival, I had to, yeah. you know, and, you know, and then in my career, it showed up with, you know, being on a software development team and being invited to attend to these meetings between the artists and the, the software designers. And because they couldn't talk to each other across the table. And I was like, oh, this has become an actual skill in life. And, um, and, and I remember noticing in my, you know, early twenties in that career, like not enough people live in this both and world. They're like, no, I'm this, or I'm that. And I just thinking that's so sad to me. Like, and I think 2020, the dumpster fire that it was <laughs> really, I think the hard part was that it showed people that no, actually you're more than just that thing. Yeah. And you're going to embrace the other part and you're going to learn how to incorporate them and integrate them into one whole like yeah. coexistive experience that you're having. And for some people that's 
really hard. Yeah. You know, we like our labels and it's like, right. no, I belong to that group. Right. It's like, but you could also belong to this other group too. <laughs> well, and, and that's, you know, I, and I think that it, for anyone listening, like, I feel like you could take and dissect this and say, what labels am I clinging to, you know, that I need to stop separating, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, cause I really, I, I really want to want to say like, we're all a bridge, you know, we, we are bridges from one world to another, whatever those worlds are, you know? So, um, you know, I often say I'm kind of a bridge um, between the Christian world and, and maybe the Jewish and the metaphysical world, because I've married a Jewish man. And then I'm also like super spiritual. Um, and so a lot of times I feel like I'm on this bridge where I could go either side and yeah. talk to people on both sides, you know, and I don't have to slap a label on and say, I'm Christian, you know, or I'm this, or I'm that, um, you know, I, I feel like we, we just need to stop obsessing about the labels. Um, and, and what's funny is my 2020 word, I always pick a word for the year. And sometimes I have no idea why I've chosen a word. Like it's very intuitive. The whole process is intuitive. And I slap on this word and I'm always like, I have no idea what this word's going to mean. And literally 2020, the word was unbecoming. Oh, wow. (laughs) And when I, when I, when I created it and I made my vision board, um, everybody that saw it was like unbecoming, like, like it almost has like an ugly reference, you know, like, you're, oh, they're very unbecoming, you know, like almost like, <laughs> like a bad girl or a bad kid, you know, like you think of like the, the movie where she's like, oh, she's unbecoming, you know, like, like that was sort of the, what a lot of people thought it meant. And I was like, oh no, not that. It means like, instead of always saying like, who are you meant to become? What if we're already that, that, and we're just supposed to unbecome the other things that we've taken on? you know, and, and that was really the message that I was given kind of when I created that word. And what's funny is I had no idea what was coming. Um, you know, I turned 40 and then literally, um, days later was the 2020 year hit. And then in March, that was when COVID hit and life changed. Um, and that's when I really realized what unbecoming meant for me. It meant literally losing 60% of my income, it meant losing my women's membership program, you know, can't every speaking engagement that was booked for the year canceled within a 48 hour period. Um, so literally I, I unbecame, you know, everything I thought I was. Um, and I had to kind of rediscover, you know, who I wanted to be, you know, or who I really already was, you know, and like, and that's kind of in my coaching practice, a lot of people come to me and say things like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, you know, and they're like, (laughs) they're old women. And they're like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm like, what if you're meant to be who you are? You know, what if you're already on that path? You know, what if you're already creating that framework for whatever it is you're supposed to do? And maybe it's just shedding some of those labels that don't really apply, you know? And, and so I really, I, I love the whole, first of all, I love digital feng shui. I just think that is so brilliant. Um, I also love human design. I know just enough to like talk about it and say, I know what I'm talking about, but I know absolutely nothing beyond that level. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but I do remember having my human design done a couple of years ago and being very fascinated and and being like, oh, so that's why I'm this way. That's why I'm that way. And I think that that's kind of what all these tools really do for us. Right. They are tools. They're tools just like we use, they, you know, acuity scheduling to book a calendar appointment or convert kit to manage your email newsletters or WordPress for your website, you know, they're tools. And, 
you know, human design is really awesome. One of my longstanding clients, um, she had a reading with me a while back and she was like, oh, well, this makes total sense. Cause I started incorporating their human design charts and she's like, oh, because your first system is you. And that really kicked off, you know, a whole like new, new path of things inside of my programs, because, um, you know, until you know yourself or you're willing to know yourself, it's really hard to build a business that feels good because now you're just following what that person said, or that person recommends, or, well, that person, you know, does blah, blah, blah. And it's, it has nothing to do. It does not apply to you. Um, and people are like, why doesn't it feel good? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's because you have to know yourself. And I feel like that's where the metaphysical world comes into play is there tools to help you get to know yourself and, you know, be more grounded and more connected, um, in the ways that you want to be connected. Yeah. And if you don't have those tools, you're just kind of at the mercy of like whatever sales conference or sales page is telling you to believe because they've built in the NLP into the script. Right. And, you know, and it's advertising. Um, and we're all, we all listen to it and we're all affected by it, but I like people to be empowered that like, okay, even though I can resonate with messaging now, I know why I'm resonating with it. And I know why that thing feels good, you know, because it aligns with me because I know it aligns. Mm. And, um, that, I think that was like my, one of my biggest frustrations early on in my online business journey was just, there would be like this guru person, you know, up at the top. And, and I was like, no, this like, like, I don't like this guided meditation. <laughs> this thing doesn't work. <laughs> and, you know, in, in the community would feel off or, you know, and then I would find one where it was good, but it would shift and change as everything in the world does. And I think that was also one of the hard things in 2020 was that people realize everything's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. There's no, oh, there's a change period. No, it's always changing. It always has been, and it always will be forever and ever. And as humans, you know, we like to have things sort of be constant. Right. And it's like, well, those days are long over. Yeah. And, yeah. and they never really existed. It was just a an illusion. So sure. Or or we made we made sense of it all. We just said, though, this is how it's always been done, but it's not. No. If you look back, it's it changed. It changed multiple times. You just were able to adapt at the, the to those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like 2020 was a big enough change for enough people that it affected all of us. Um, you know, there was introverts who suddenly were ecstatic that everybody was going online, yeah. um, you know, and myself included. I mean, I, I, what's funny is before 2020 happened, I actually thought I was an extrovert, um, but I didn't realize why I was always so exhausted after networking events and speaking on stage. Um, and it wasn't until 2020 happened when I was like, when I loved that everything canceled. I was like, I love working from home. Oh, I love I love working in my leggings or my yoga pants or whatever. I was like, this, this is the life, you know? And, and someone was like, oh, you're an, you're an introvert. And I was like, no, no, I love being on stage. You're like, you can still love being on stage. And, you know, once again, you know, those labels, I thought, oh, if I'm a speaker, if I'm a facilitator, I'm this personality on stage, I have to be an extrovert. And, and that's not true, you know, and, and just cause I grew up in the theater and, and I was a musician and some of those pieces, you know, I just assumed that meant I was an extrovert. Um, and, and it's just been 
talk about like learning more about yourself, you know, so human design and things like numerology. Um, so I'm a big fan of numerology. Numerology. <laughs> I found out at like the age of 10, maybe or 11 that I, um, that I had a master number that that was my, my birth path was a master. Which, 11. which is your master number? It's an 11. Oh, my dad's an 11. I'm a 22. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, hardest path cool. ever. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's like the, when someone says they're 22, I'm like, oh, okay, good luck. Look on your face. I wish people could think. Good luck fulfilling that. You're like, good luck to you. I know. It's, well, and it's, it, and I mean, the 11, it's all, um, it's that my master struggle um, is it's, it's constantly seeking the limelight, um, you know, so it's constantly trying to figure out you know, how to bring a message out, you know, so obviously I'm an, um, as of today, I'm nine time author, you know, like I'm constantly pushing messages out there. I love being on stage. I love writing and creating and singing and like, whatever it is, it's always that battle for the limelight. The 22 is all about meaning. You know, you guys are, you guys are really trying to change the meaning, like, you know, and, and, and make a mark, you know? So, um, so yeah, we have our work cut out for us. Um, and my, my granddaughter who was born, uh, 16 months ago, she's also an 11. Um, so we have, oh, that's so special. I really love that too. Um, but yeah, all these tools though, like, you know, what's funny though, is had I not known about my master number and some of the challenges with it, um, you know, I'm, I might've been overwhelmed at times of different things, but it's like, it's funny because now, you know, and I'm sure you can relate as a 22, like if something pops up and I feel this overwhelming call mm-hmm. to dismantle the system or change it, or, and I'm like, oh, it's because of a master number. Like yeah. I already know it, like it's, it's in me, you know? So that I think tools like feng shui, like human design, the Myers-Briggs, you know, pick a, a modality, you know, yeah. and it gives us like, almost like a reason to be like, oh, okay. So that's, that's just one little piece of why I am the way yeah. I am you know, the the Capricorn, you know, I love watching people make fun of the, the signs Poor Capricorn. They're great. They're always like this hardworking, you know, like (laughs) non-bending rule person, you know, and and it's like, okay, well, whatever, you know, like, if that's who I am, Mm -hmm. that's who I am, you know, Mm -hmm. being okay with it. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Lately, um, the Enneagram has been real popular in recent years. And now what are you just, on the, on the Enneagram? I'm a three with a two wing. Of course I'm a three. Same. Yeah. That's really common in entrepreneurs. And yes. then in Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ, which ENFJ and INFJ are, are very common. Uh, I'm the same. Yep. Yeah. See, isn't that, isn't that funny? I was an ENFJ forever, but, um, it wasn't until 2020 that i that I realized I was an INFJ. Well, one of my favorites, so this is librarian in me, but one of my favorite books for entrepreneurs is to read, to actually read Susan Cain's book called quiet, the power of introverts, not just to watch her Ted talk, which is sort of like the cliff notes version. And that's fine to get started, but like really read the book, um, or listen to it on audible or something, but her book really walks you through what it means to be introverted or extroverted and the spectrum along that scale. And um, I think after interacting with so many people through doing business, I think those of us who are introverts have kind of had a deal with an extroverted world. So we've been sort of dancing around this for a while, but I see the most struggle with shy extroverts because extroverts, we have this 
concept in our mind. The label is you're big and loud and you blah, blah, blah. And you're talking all the time. And it has nothing to do with how loud you are, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert has everything to do with how your energy recharges, which I think is really important. Speaking of modern light workers, it's really important to know how do you recharge your batteries for real. And, um, and she really walks you through the whole framework of it. And there's a lot of big aha moments. Mm. It won't be surprising. And some of it could be surprising. Um, but I've seen some people have some huge breakthroughs because they realize, oh, like I'm just a really outgoing introvert. Yeah. Um, and I've seen on the opposite end, like the shy extroverts, like in the spectrum, they're kind of like smushed somewhere in the middle of the spectrum and it can seem like one presents like the other. Mm. So a social introvert will present like an extrovert and then people will treat them as an extrovert, but you need to know how you operate. And then a shy extrovert will present as an introvert and people will treat them differently. And they'll wonder, why do I feel excluded? Mm. And, you know, and it, like, you have to know yourself, you have to get to know yourself. Um, and this is why I think networking is hard for people in business because they don't know how they recharge their batteries and their energy. And it's as simple as knowing introversion versus extroversion and where you are on that scale, on that spectrum. Um, You know, I think that is so important. Um, But, you know, I I love these tools because like we're talking about our master numbers and I'm just thinking about like human design, like I'm a manifester in human design. And like, I think my soul just picked all the hard things. I don't know why. (laughs) And, and I remember as I got to know them, you know, I used to have this anxiety when I was younger, like, oh no, I've got to like achieve more. I've got to get my things out there more, which is also partly like a three Enneagram too. Yes. Um, but, but when I started getting to know these different systems enough, um, you know, the message became loud and clear, like, oh, you're meant to bloom later in life. Like mm-hmm. the big things for you, you have to go through life and have experience. And after 50, 55, things start happening. And I suddenly like was able to relax and breathe a little bit and go, you know what? Okay. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to be curious. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the pressure off. And, you know, our world has this, I think it's social media too, you know, has this like this sort of nagging quality to it where it's like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? When are you going to do right. that? When are you going to launch it? And right. like, well, how about, how about if, you know, if you know that like, you just need to live some life for a while, that that's yeah. okay. <laughs> well, and, and I, and I, I love that you said that because, you know, there, there's, um, I, I was just thinking about it. There's a message right now on social media with a couple of influencers that, that I, um, I see in my feed and it's things like, a lot of people want to take the the end of the year off and uh and now's the time to yep. and, and i kept thinking like why is it such a bad thing to take time off like what why can't i have my holidays you know like i'm just thinking about like you know this time of year is really crazy for me cuz like we started hanukkah 2 days ago um mm-hmm. you know we just finished thanksgiving but literally we have christmas my birthday is two days later. And then this year I'm moving my daughter into a dorm in New York um, <laughs> on January 2nd. And all this is going to overlap with all these holidays. And, and all I can think was, I don't want to be launching anything big in my business <laughs> you know, while I'm sitting in an airport. You know, I, I don't want to be on my laptop at LaGuardia, you know, mm-hmm. stressing about my launch sequence, you know, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's okay to look at your life and say, 
this is a period of time. And we talked about this in one of our recent episodes about seasons. You know, this is a period of time where this might be your winter, you know, your winter is hibernation, recharging, you know, I mean, if you think about it in terms of farming, you know, you're definitely not out there planting anything when the soil is hard as a rock and dry, you know, so know where your own soil, you know, what, like what quality you're in right now. And, and it's okay. Like not everybody's supposed to launch at the same time. And I think that's really the, the message that we're missing a lot on social media is like that guru you know, and I hate the word guru, but it's so so prevalent. (laughs) Some of those gurus, you know, yeah, they're meant to launch right now. They're in spring. They're in their spring season. Go for it. Launch your thing. Go for it. Like I I know a lot of this year, I was looking at some of the Black Friday messaging, um, you know, and every year it's a little different, but this year there was a lot of, I just didn't feel an alignment to, to share anything for Black Friday. And I was like, that's great for you you must be in a winter. That's okay. You know, and like for some people, they, it was launching something huge. For some people, it was quiet. And and I think like comparisonitis, you know, was something we talked about in one of our last episodes. And we get stuck in this, oh, yes. if Mary is launching right now. Maybe I need to be launching, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and not look, once again, look at yourself, look at your, your tools you know, who are you? What's your Enneagram? What's your Myers-Briggs? What's your human design? Like all these things are, are meant to just be little tools to kind of guide you, um, you know, and, and help, you know, um, you know, the introvert extrovert thing is just a tiny little piece. Like I could never really figure out why I so wanted to go and network, but why I would sit in the car and dread going in. And I was always like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I want to go in there? And it wasn't until I read something about like how your energy changes when you're actually approached with the, you know, that energetic change. And and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, so I really am an introvert, you know, like, and, and I also had this talk about systems, you know, I really believed that being an introvert was a bad thing. You know, I thought extroverts were good and introverts were bad. And like, I don't know where I got that belief, but for whatever reason, I had that belief. I think for our generation, we grew up with that embedded into the fabric of society because the eighties was like extroverted time. And we were all little kids then. And, and, you know, and, and we're learning, (laughs) we're learning that there's, you know, a beautiful range of divergence and that it is okay to be any of those things. And, um, you know, and I love that. I love that you are talking about the seasons. Um, I heard those episodes too, and they were so good. And, you know, it, it just, it harkens back to preparing yourself. You know, if, if you, I love the plant analogies and like, if you were a farmer just gardening, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, like people garden like crazy. Cause it's a great place to do it. It's not like Texas where it's like rock soil <laughs> right. so hard down there. Um, and, and so when you are there, there's like, there's a preparation that happens before you plant and there's a pruning that happens. And they're like, there are these cycles and phases and, you know, and if it's been a while since you tended your garden, cause you kind of forgot, it might take you a little longer to yeah. clean it up You're and just going to lean out the window and throw some seed down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we see other people doing things, you never really, it's like watching someone's marriage from the outside. You don't really know what's going on behind the closed doors. You don't. Absolutely. And, 
you know, there are a lot of um, people who appear almost like solopreneurs, but they have whole staffs behind the scenes. And every now and then a little thing will eke out in their messaging somewhere in a podcast episode or something. And you realize, oh, wait, they have like a team of coaches behind the scenes. What's going on there? And you go, oh, oh, wait, this isn't, I'm seeing like the tip of the iceberg when I see them posting on, you know, Instagram or something. And, you know, and I think it's really important that we learn to be critical, not in like an attacking way, but like analytical and critical when we're looking at what's happening and like, don't just fall into the content, like really look at it as a business owner, as a CEO, what is the structure of that? What are they doing? How is their digital feng shui house structured? Right. And, you know, and then you can then look at your house and go, you know, if I was supposed to invite a whole bunch of guests into this house, am I ready to receive guests? And if your answer is no, then like you need, you need to get it ready for guests. You know, like if you throw a dinner party, you're going to take out your trash and like tidy up the living room and you're going to have your kitchen clean and you're gonna have your bathroom stocked and you're going to be ready to take coats. And if you're ready for none of those things and you want to have like a raging house party, like maybe you're ready for tea time with a couple of people. Right. But like you, you have to start figuring out where am I in this instead of like, let me just shove some things into existence. And that's a very human design lesson to learn because only manifestors really can push things out of the way, which by the way, is a very uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. I think Hard you're a manifesting now. generator. Yeah. You know, and, and you're inspired by so many ideas, but you're, you're meant to respond. And if you try to shove something out into the world, it backfires. It doesn't work. But if you share a lot and you're like, now today I'm cleaning up my living room and now I'm getting ready for guests and people go, Oh, wait, 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 I want to come over. And you're like, yeah. please come on in. And right. that's how the energy works. And, um, you know, and it's just so easy to look at, I don't know, somebody, somebody who's bigger or to assume that they're not as big as they are. Sure. And I, you know, that, that can be a double-edged sword. Well, and I think, you know, this, this brings up, you know, and this is a great transition into to some of, of what you do as well. Um, but you know, that we look at, especially online entrepreneurs and we, we kind of think like, oh, she does this all herself or, oh, she has a team or like we, we make whatever decision based on whatever. Um, and, and like years ago, I had a partner and a business partner um, and I had to intentionally change my language when I posted about everything so that I would be inclusive of the fact that I had a business partner. And this was, this was a challenge for me because I was such a solo person. Um, And so everything I wrote was we and our, and you know, whatever. And so to this day, the podcast is our pot. It's just me. And I literally (laughs) still say that same language. And so what's funny is a lot of the, the messaging I've been getting lately, as I've been interviewing new people for the podcast, they'll say things like, well, who did, who does the graphics, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I do. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah. And then they're like, what about the editing for the podcast? And I'm like, I do that in-house. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, so like, I've not really been very forthcoming about being like kind of a one woman show. And a lot of it was because, and this goes to another tool. Um, you know, I, I learned a, a book called the big leap. I'm not sure if you've Love the big leap. So good. Mine is fear of outshining. That's my upper limit problem. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I'm always afraid to toot my own horn, raise my own hand or whatever and say, yes, I did that. Um, and so I downplay everything. And so it's, you know, oh, you're going to get some graphics there, you know, just use them, blah, 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 instead of I created these graphics, you know, so I, and I'm a shine coach that, and there's a reason for that, you know, it's because I know my own upper limit was fear of outshining others. And so I know a lot of the people that I attract are people who are afraid to raise their hand and say, I'm really good at this. You know, um, like it, I'm, I'm almost intimidated by some people who are like, I'm a badass at this because I'm like, Oh, you figured it out. Okay. Well, you don't need me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, but that, that's, that was always my challenge is, is, and, and I need to do better too. I need to start, you know, kind of being okay with saying like, by the way, guys, it's not our podcast. It's just me, you know? <laughs> um, and, but I still, that messaging is ingrained in me. Um, and so it's just funny when we talk about the tools, but this yeah. is what I wanted to ask you though, is there's a lot of tools. Like, so when we like beyond the human design and the Enneagram, those are just amazing gifts. I think feel like we've been gifted, especially our generation has so many, but like the technology side, I think that what creates a lot of why you have a business is that there's so many tools. Like there's mm-hmm. so many email responders. There's so many calendar things. There's so many funnels and, you know, and then there's, teachable. And then there's, you know, like there's just all these things. So anyone listening, like I know at some point, you know, I was very overwhelmed at like, what systems do I really need in my business? You know, so maybe you could speak to someone that's like in the middle of juggling, like what they need, what they don't need. Um, How would you guide them? So the very first thing has nothing to do with tech. The very first thing is you need an offer that sells, you need paying customers and you need a way to take their money. And I happen to know of a very high priced coach who runs a very big mastermind. I was shocked as crap to learn about this. She tells people to mail them a check to her apartment. (laughs) Um, I'm just telling you, it doesn't have to be as big as we think it has to be. Um, But without those three things, without people who are paying you, without something that people actually want to buy and without the ability to take the money, Hmm. you don't have a business. And in which case it matters nothing about what kind of tech tool you're going to pick until you master those three things. Yeah. Just put the technology down, you know? Um, now that's not to say that we don't use things because obviously we use email and we want to, and we want to have fun, right? Things feel good to us. So the next, like the next step is to really, getting to know yourself, figuring out what season am I in, like all these things about myself. What is my personal capacity in this moment to handle mastering additional tools? Because if you are tippy top full, like your cup is full, we do this thing in masterminds where we're like, people like throwing information and it's like, are you full? And they like put the pen up here at the top of their forehead. And like, I'm full, I'm full. I don't need any more. If you're there or beyond that, like, then you need to go back to the basics to that that three-legged stool and make sure that your stool is solid because if one of those legs is missing, you don't have anything to sit on and you're not going to build something that's going to last. Um, you know, it can be really hard sometimes when you see people who hit like unicorn status early on. And one thing I've seen with unicorns is that they'll gallop on down the road ahead of everybody. And it's just like the tortoise and the hare example. At some point you start plodding along on your path and you're like, there's the unicorn, like passed out on the side of the road. (laughs) And you're like, I don't know how to get to the end of the road. And 
because, because, you know, they didn't have to figure that out early on. So nobody, this is an energetic balance lesson. Nobody gets away from having to make sure that all the building blocks are in place. So, you know, you can't compare yourself to what somebody else is doing. Um, you know, somebody who has a lot of cash and capital to just buy whatever tools they want at the beginning and hire a VA to set it all up. Right. Still haven't mastered those things. They're still going to end up having to figure it out. Mm. So, um, so that's my very like non-traditional answer to that's brilliant it's brilliant though because let's just be real like you know in, in my first couple of years in business I was a true business coach you know and and on what we worked on we did not work on systems we didn't build websites we didn't build any of those things right? yeah we literally talked about what can you do to sell like what yeah. what do you have to sell do people want it you know how can we make this offer more appealing you know yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a copywriter at heart. So a lot of what I spend time doing is the writing part, but you know, you can only finesse something so much, you know, it needs to be a legit something, you know? And I mean, my first mastermind, um, I recorded a video on my computer that I had to pay to house somewhere. I think it was Vimeo. (laughs) Um, And then I figured out how to put in, I think it was iMovie, how to put like something, this was like six years ago and like something at the bottom that said, you know, savvy business coach or whatever it was. (laughs) Um, And then how, then to pay me, literally they either sent me a check um, to my home address, you know, or I met up with them and they wrote it to me like, and and they were all women here and it it was eight women and it was here in Dallas. I'm like, that was my, my first real big, whatever. Yeah. And, and I didn't, I didn't focus on an email responder. I didn't build a funnel. I still don't have really funnels. I mean, I have like a lead, you know what I mean? Like a couple little things, but like, I don't, spend a lot of time building these big complex systems, you know, I really focus on like what, what produces money, you know, and, and I focus on that. And, and I kind of figure like if a whole lot of money starts really coming in, then it's a matter of, and my, I think my bookkeeper who's listening, (laughs) the other, (laughs) the other Janet, um, I'm sure who's, you know, your best asset bookkeeping. So quick plug for her, but you know, when the money starts really building up, she knows that's a point where I'll be like, I think I might want to invest in something new, but I've really been, I've been trying so hard not to fall into that shiny object syndrome, you know, where, Oh, I need to have this $250 a month system to do blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I, I just need to focus on what I do best. And, and that's all I have to do right now. Well, I love that you brought up funnels because it comes up so much. It's become this like ubiquitous term that people use, which really means how do I make money? Yes. Um, but it's like a funnel is a very specific thing and you can't build a great converting funnel if you don't have people and you don't know who they are and you don't know how to reach them. And if you don't have an offer that repeatedly sells, so you have offer market fit, if you don't have that and, you know, and if you don't have, you know, any, any way like comfortability around money to accept payment, because there's a whole money mindset thing that goes with the taking payment part. And if you don't have those things, you're not going to build a great funnel. And, you know, we're recording this in the fourth quarter. It's going to come out in the fourth quarter. And it's a time of the year when all the software companies have these amazing sales and they're very attractive. And if you're ready for it, it's a great time to get a great deal. And if you're not ready for it, it's a great time to dump a ton of money down the toilet. And, um, I see so many people do this and 
you know, inside of um, my incubator program, the very first thing they do after, you know, after we do orientation with like getting our email under control and getting our time and calendars under control, we do inventory and we take stock of everything, including all the programs we belong to and all the access we have. And we tally up how much things cost and you get a real picture of what is your overhead cost. And then they're able to actually price their offers better in the coming year, because it's amazing to me how many times people don't factor in their overhead costs into the price per seat in a program. Right. And, and, and it's like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to know these things. And, you know, then you realize how many of us start off a business with fantasy math and fantasy numbers. Yeah. And this is where the sensible part of sensible woo comes in, where I'm like, you have to do the math. And you may not have millionaire dreams and you don't have to, but you still have to know the math if you're going to call it a business. Yeah. And well, that's the know, difference between um, a hobby and a business. Yes. Yes. Hobby, you're not necessarily tracking things. You yep. know, you might be like, oh, I made a few bucks. You know, that was fun. But, you know, it's like selling on Facebook Marketplace. You know, it's, it's like, oh, that was nice. I got rid of that dog carrier that was in my closet for six years. And I, you know, whatever, <laughs> like that's a hobby, you know, that's, it's fun. It was nice. I'm so glad I have that $10 bill I got or whatever it is, you know, but, but running a business, it, you know, I think when we first get, when we first started, it's all very spaghetti at the wall, you know, we're, all, we're just trying things, but, you know, I, I love the saying, when you know better, you do better. It applies to so many things, but especially in your business, when it comes to, to the math and the numbers, um, you know, it wasn't until um, I hired a bookkeeper a couple of years ago that I learned that I was incredibly underpricing a lot of my programs, you know, mm-hmm. where she was like, oh, okay. So when I, when I did the math, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she gives me this big, long spreadsheet. And then she sends it to me and she goes, so that big project you did, blah, 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 all those hours, because I think you made about $500. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I spent months on that project. And I did it like, it was eye opening. Um, but it was also like very empowering to be like, I have to raise my prices because this makes sense now. Like, okay, I can't, you know, one of the, one of the things that I do is I help people become a published author, you know, and it's like, as, as rewarding as it is, you know, it's not a nonprofit (laughs) charity, you know, Uh, I am not handing out books in a baggie to people and saying, congratulations, you know, like I am, I am literally walking them through the process and helping them become a published author. And, um, and at one point I was literally making like nothing on that entire, that whole process. So So I, you know, I had to make some tough decisions and, and I know that, you know, for those listening, I know money is one of those, you know, when you think about the grid and I know that it's one of those topics that people get emotional or whatever about, and I know that, Um, Mm -hmm. but for those listening who are entrepreneurs, you know, you've got to be real with yourself when it comes to what you're charging, what you're making, you know, and where you need to make changes and you're not meant to work with everybody. So like, if you need to hear that today, (laughs) it is okay um, to not work with everybody. It's okay to say, here's who I help and here are my prices. And the the right people will fit into those boxes and choose you and work with you. And the wrong ones will create havoc. And, And in your early days as a business owner, you will deal with the havoc uh, in a way that's not helpful. <laughs> and then over time you, you learn some hard lessons. I, I, I know I sure have. <laughs> well, I have too. I call them false positives. 
You know, you get somebody who's like, like you randomly meet that person at the networking event. They're like, okay, I'll hire you, Janet. And then you're like, okay. And then you're like, oh my God, this is such a PETA client. They're such a pain in the ass. And, and then, you know, you, you're like, what is happening? You're like, but they paid me. So maybe I'm supposed to work with that person. And then you quickly discover, no, it's a false positive. And there, and we all have them. It happens to everybody. And the sooner you can identify false positives, the better. So you don't yeah. do them again. And, you know, the, the, a lot of those lessons, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm going through this right now with a, a former not ideal client, um, you know, as, as I'm wrapping up a project, basically that I'm, and I intend not to work with this person ever again. Um, but because of this person, you know, um, I've changed the legal wording on all yep. of my documents. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have some copyrights in place. I know, like, there are so many things that I, that I didn't have in place just because I had this very, the right people will be, you know, and I'm like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Blinders off. You know, um, it's time to be real again, you know, and there, there's a reason, you know, that you hire a bookkeeper for your numbers. There's a reason that you consult with a lawyer. There's a reason you have someone real do your will. There's, there's all these reasons. My daughter works (laughs) for a a probate attorney and, um, shout out to Lori Birchlaw. So I love promoting our local businesses here. So there's a reason you pay people for the expertise um, and you don't just try to do it all yourself. And that's definitely been a lesson I had to learn, you know, over the last few years of, of being a, a solopreneur most days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's such a, like a nice full circle point because we've been talking about like getting to know yourself and getting to know your business and all these tools that help you do it along the way. And one of those tools are the, the wrong people. They are actually a tool yeah, that a helps tool. you discover that. Um, Absolutely. I had the same thing during COVID. I broke apart my main program to make the pricing more affordable. And I thought I was helping. It turned out I was hurting because I was attracting people who were never going to do the work. And then I had one who, you know, didn't do any of the work, couldn't even figure out how to show up to the workshop that day and then wanted a refund. And I have a no refund policy. And that taught me, like, it has to be so like explicitly stated. And now, you know, I tell people if they're like kind of wishy-washy, I'm like, if you're having doubts and now is not the right time and you can catch us on a future year. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and it has helped so much, so much, um, because the people who do say yes, see that. And they, they're so much more committed because they're like, yeah, yeah, I am ready. I'm totally ready. So, right. Right. um, you know, we think we thank all those people too, but we also want to recognize it sooner rather yes. than later. Yes. We don't want to stay in it. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like all these things, like everything is so connected and yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And gosh, I can't even believe the time. Like we have talked so long, I know. About so many amazing things. Like I hate to let you go, but we're going to have to wrap this up and I will have to have you back on a future episode for sure. Totally. Um, <laughs> So Mary, before we wrap this up, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners? Is there anything you've got going on that you want to promote? Um, Because you definitely have an amazing business and I want to make sure that they know how to find you. Thank you. Well, you can find me always at sensiblewoo.com. It's W-O-O. And I have a free library of things people can binge. There's a link in the upper right-hand corner of my website for that. Um, my incubator program is going from six months to 12 months, starting in spring of 2022. So there's a contact form on there. If anybody's interested in that, they feel like they're ready. Um, and we also have a very low pressure membership where people can get readings now with me through that. And we're very curious. We, 
you know, examine all different kinds of modalities and it's a safe space to ask all those good metaphysical questions. So that is now live too. Love, love, love. So for those listening, um, Mary Williams is just absolutely a gem to chat with. And um, I just want to share that Sensible Woo is an inclusive and tolerant community. Um, So she is a proud LGBTQIA business owner, member of AAPI community, zero tolerance policy for hate, prejudice, bigotry, and bias, which I absolutely love and um, definitely support. So I also love at the end of her, um, on her about page on her website, you will have to go check this out, but she says, I wish you well on your journey of awakening. And for my awakened peeps, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, and I am you. Let's change the world. And I love that there's a unicorn there. (laughs) I love my emojis. Be careful that you don't fall flat, unicorn. (laughs) So absolutely loved it. This has been one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, Thank you, Mary, for joining us. Um, This was such a fun uh, conversation with so many parts. really just renewed my, my love of just the learning and learning more about ourselves. I definitely wrote down that book, The Quiet. I'm going to check that out. Um, so for those listening, especially my introverts, um, let's run and get that on Amazon for sure. <laughs> um, so for more information to find about Mary, uh, sensiblewoo.com. Um, be sure to check her out. We will link that in the information um, on this podcast as well. So you can find more about her. And thanks again for joining us on Modern Lightworkers. Remember, it is time to stop hiding and start shining. This is your shine coach just reminding you that it's okay to shine. It is your time. Have an awesome day. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.